This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Blue Monday podcast, a three times weekly show looking into the sometimes exciting happenings of Ipswich Town Football Club. My name is Mikey Pensy-Smith and this is our end of season review part two for all of you sadistic people out there that just can't get enough. Speaking of whom, how are you Joe Fares? I just can't get enough either of this beautiful season that we've had to endure. Yeah and speaking of enduring you did a did a run today didn't you jay yeah i am um, smashed around two kilometers at the alton water fun run made more difficult by having my two-year-old on my shoulders about one and a half of those kilometers but he just he just got down for the photos at the end sort of <laughs> to take the glory take the glory in the finish line great stuff um now how long how long did that take I don't know. I haven't. I haven't had an official time for it yet. So. <laughs> Some, somewhere just under twenty minutes. Yeah. How, how long it would take to you're, quickly you're smart walk two uh, k? <laughs> Great stuff. Well, so when Ben and Rich left us after part one, which is of course still on the Blue Monday YouTube channel, check it out if you haven't watched it. I don't know why you'd be watching part two if you hadn't watched part one, but there might be one of you out there. So they'd left us with Paul Lambert. Um, taking over um now this was a this was a weird one wasn't it joe because the name kind of came from nowhere and i think my initial reaction i'll admit was really paul lambert i sort of thought that he was such a merry-go-round manager and obviously the norwich connection i didn't really like but then the more i thought about it the more i thought actually this might be the right decision for this moment well is that were those the lines that you were on as well, or were you all yeah. for it from the word go? Well, there, there wasn't really any time for anyone to be linked, was there? Because everyone knew that Hurst was going, and there was all there was all the rumblings of it. And then the first sort of national newspaper to break with the Hurst news, it was Lambert to replace Hurst at Ipswich. There was no, and I picked up Lambert odds because I I knew that he had the job because I'd, I'd spoken to someone and from straight away he was like four to one on at all the bookies, and you were betting. 50 quid to get sort of almost 10 back and there was there was there was never a race there was never a competition it was he was the he had the job straight away so you didn't really have a chance to compare him against the other people like the long search in the summer where you could pick your favorites it was either this is who it is like it or lump it and i think the majority of fans were um relatively I've, there was definitely a, a lot about the Norwich connection and there, but I think once people sort of looked to see his relationship with Norwich and how he fell out with them by leaving them, I think that in, um, helped helped with a few fans, the fact that he ended up suing Norwich and leaving mm. on terrible terms. But he hasn't, he hasn't done an awful lot since leaving Norwich. He had a long spell at Villa and it was a case of, I, I don't think anyone was, blown away by the appointment but I think a lot of people probably went with the same view that I had that it looked probably one of the better choices out of the experienced managers available at the time and even back then um I mean where, where was this October or November um I think he was I think he was appointed on a on the at the very end of October okay and, yeah so 
It was like the 26th, yeah. 27th of October, the day of the Millwall game. He was a point. We, we were already saying through gritted teeth that this might be a good appointment for League One, weren't we? Like we, we were already yeah. saying that. Yeah, no, um, there was all the talk of what he'd done at Norwich, the bouncing back. But then, yeah, so he took training on the Monday after the 3 0 debacle at Millwall, um, where Ipswich fans thought that. Uh, remembrance was a minute's applause um, rather than a minute's <laughs> silence, which is quite interesting. Um, but he had a pretty good first home game um, on paper. We played we played Preston and there was a surprise inclusion of a player that we hadn't seen yet, Joe. No, and, and despite at the end of the season, Preston finished just outside the playoffs. At one point, it looked like they were going to make it. At this point, this was I think they were also in the bottom three with yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, they, they, were, they were down there with us. Just yeah. outside it. And the surprise inclusion was Jordan Roberts up front. He'd he'd signed almost as a project player from Paul Hurst. And he'd, he'd I think he'd come on against Derby and played a few minutes out on the wing. And he played a little bit against Exeter in the League Cup. But when he was playing, he was playing as a centre-forward straight through the middle. And we were looking to play a four sort of four free free system with Roberts as the target man and Sears and anyone playing off him and it looked like the decision was Lambert needs that guy for his system that that sort of player and he was the best option in the squad to do it that he he didn't really have any other choices with Ellis Harrison out yeah you're right and he and to be fair to Jordan Roberts he was bang up for it wasn't he in that that first half especially he was really really on it um and we won a penalty didn't we which I don't think we'd done by this stage, I don't know. I, I think I think it was a. I can't remember any penalties before that. Yeah, yeah. It was it was it Caden Jackson that got away and I think yeah. yeah. But, uh, oh. I, <laughs> see, we're, we're already struggling. Aren't we? <laughs> it was uh, yeah. The keeper, it was Freddie Sears. It was Freddie Sears, wasn't it? Freddie was brought down by the keeper who picked up a yellow card. Sort of more more on that later. Freddie Sears picked himself up and scored the penalty and. We were leading well into the well into the second half when Paul Gallagher comes on and with his first touch scores a free kick past past the keeper and then two minutes later I think this one was Jackson or no this was Jordan, actually Jordan Roberts won the penalty and this was Jordan Roberts as well beat the keeper to the ball right out wide the keeper picked up a second yellow and then so yeah, touch, Paul Gallagher who steers about him didn't he he just came on scored a goal and then was sent and then went in goal and. We had basically 20 minutes to try and score past the keeper, and we didn't really do enough. We didn't create enough. After a very good first half, we looked like we ran out of gas. The only big, well, the only real save the keeper had to make was from Danny Rowe, a mm. volley from the edge of the box, which he struck probably too well because it ended up almost going straight at the keeper. But that was, I think everyone walked away from that game saying, right, this, we can see what Lambert's trying to do here, where especially under the later Hurst games, it was mix and match changing this changing that and you're sort of walking away you couldn't even tell what formation or what style he was trying to play where Lambert came in and seemed to have a style implemented within within one game yeah absolutely and and the early positive impressions that I had were just just really small things like Roberts coming in and looking so up for it and he he looks like a player that day Freddie Sears taking the penalty and taking it so so calmly he did he, I don't know if he'd even scored all season he barely played but the fact that he stepped up and took the penalty and just tucked it away with confidence I just thought oh wow like Lambert Lambert must have been in Sears's ear already and Bart he had a really tough start to the season and he hadn't had a good game at Millwall he actually looked pretty steady in that game and we thought maybe maybe <laughs> Hurst going is gonna we're gonna get back the Bartos Bielkowski of old but um yeah Alas, that was a first impression, not a not a lasting one. Um, but then we went we went to Reading, um, which we absolutely loved doing. Was pissing it down with rain, but we started again. We started really really well in that first half, didn't we at Reading? Yeah, after after eleven minutes, it was two one to Ipswich with Guion Edwards scoring a sort of decent volley, and then then pulling one back against the run of players. Ridiculous as that sounds in the first ten minutes, and then from a long. Bartos kick. Roberts goes up with his man. He's playing centre forward again and causing him problems. I don't think he gets a touch on it and Sears manages to nip in behind him, score past the keeper and we're flying. And for the rest of that half, we're we're well on top. And I think 
think a lot of the fans there going in at 2-1 were a little bit disappointed and a little bit concerned that it was only 2-1 as they as the sort of second half will prove was they were right to be the case because that was a backs to the wall onslaught we just didn't we didn't get going in that half at all and it took until about five minutes from the end before we conceded but it felt inevitable that whole time and again there was sort of two games where we picked up two points and we really could have picked up six but a lot of the fans were thinking well actually we look like we're going to be giving this a go at this point yeah I mean it that that first half performance they, we were splitting the centre-halves, weren't we? That was the first time that we saw that. Um, Bartos was trying to play it out from the back and it was kind of working against, against Reading. And then obviously we scored the goal because he didn't have that pass on and Reading had pulled out wide and he just pumps it through the middle. I'm not yeah. sure. Personally, I'm not sure whether he meant to put it as central as he did. I think he miskicked it slightly. Uh, but he hit it with such power, it went straight through the middle. But that was the first the first that we saw of us really trying to play it out from the back. Yeah. Um, how did you feel about us doing that, Joe? Because that's, looking at those defenders that we have had, I know this is this has been the expert after the event, but was that really going to work? Um, Personnel-wise, I don't think it was going to work. It, it's not just that you had Pennington, who I'd say is relatively comfortable on the ball, Chambers, who is not even relatively comfortable on the ball. One of them was playing on the wrong side as well. You had, was it Jordan Spencer was in at right back at this point, who yeah. is, who was struggling even, even then at that point. And yeah. so you had sort of three or four defenders who were struggling and Nudson at left back, who also is not the best on the ball and defensively. So you've got four, like I say, it was, it was not the right defenders to do it with, but we didn't really get caught out by it in those first few games we were trying it. A couple of times it, it went poorly, but we didn't get caught out in the sort of way that you get caught and concede goals straight away. We were we were sort of probably pushing our luck a little bit, but I, I, I thought it was a right thing to try and do. But with the January yeah. transfer window so far away, I, I think it was a bit of a concern. Yeah, and even though Roberts played pretty well again, like he was actually unlucky not to score in this game. I was yeah. already beginning to think, Really, we, is he really going to be our centre forward? Because Harrison was MIA at this point, and I mean, Caden Jackson. <laughs> I don't know whether Lambert fancied him from the get-go. Um, but then, yeah. So we, as you say, we picked up two points from two, but there was positivity in some respects because we were thinking, yeah, we could we could have won either of those games, and we couldn't really say that about the end of Paul Hurst's reign. Um, no. So we went into that West West Brom game at home. And um, just moving away from the football side of it slightly, that, that was the first of the £10 ticket games. It was a Friday night game live on Sky. And Carl Fuller raised a load of money, didn't he, to, to get tickets for people that couldn't afford to go, which was, I don't know, it was, a, it was, I felt like there was already a feel-good factor coming around the club. And Carl Fuller doing that set, certainly helped. And Blue Action also were, that was the first time I really noticed them that night as well. Yeah, I, I, I was one. Of, I'm not sure whether this game or one of the previous games was the launch for Blue Action that they were officially launching on one of these nights. I'm, I'm pretty. I think it could it could well have been this one, but it, it may have been one of the games at the end of the Hearst reign. But mm. this was one where we really noticed them. And I think you said about Carl Fuller. He just put a tweet out saying he's going to buy tickets for two people that can't afford it, and that just caught fire and ended up with. Sort of a couple of thousand tickets being bought for and handed out around schools, charities, and there was a really good atmosphere in the ground that Friday night. I think Friday night games always have a decent atmosphere because people have finished work, had a few beers, and gone to the game. And there's always a little bit more of a sort of a more of a vocal crowd in for those sort of games. And it was unfortunately not matched with the result. It wasn't no, but looking at those lineups, and I know that West Brom ended. Spoiler alert didn't get promoted in the end but you look at especially looking at the center halves that they had mm-hmm. which was Dawson and is it it's Hagazi isn't it El Ghazi yes yeah, Elgar- yeah and then the forward options that they had so they had Harvey Barnes Jay Rodriguez don't know if Gale was fit um, he was I'm on the sure. bench wasn't he yeah, yeah I think Al- he was back Al- fit, but... Carnu, um, as well so they had those four and we had Jordan Roberts with Sears out wide again, um, yeah. and I think we I think we had Guan Edwards 
on the other wing to begin with. Um, we just didn't really threaten that first half and West Brom, West Brom went 2-0 up, didn't they? But to, to our credit, I seem to remember that the players weren't hiding that night. They were still trying. It wasn't as... It wasn't as depressing as the Middlesbrough game that was on Sky earlier on in the season where we were similarly outclassed. No, and and unlike the first two games, this was actually a game where we seemed to get stronger towards the end of it, where the first two games we looked like we really ran out of steam. But but this one, the Harvey Barnes in the first half was just destroying us sort of time and time again. He just kept getting on the ball and driving their whole team forward. And maybe if they had kept him for the season, they probably would have... Could have probably even got into that top two. He was looking that good at that time. But 2-0 down, I think Caden Jackson came on and scored a late goal after a defensive mix-up. And while we may not have deserved a point on the balance of the game, when you got five minutes left, you're chasing a goal, and we did. And we got a free kick, which was almost the last kick of the game, which Jack Lancaster went over and took, sort of showed sort of great confidence and maturity for a 18, 19-year-old. And he had a ping at goal with it and it just clipped the far post and that was sort of full time but mm. sort of six I, inches the other way and that was yeah I think that could have been a real real momentum changer because that was Jack Lancaster that that game was that was him sort of announcing himself to the to the Ipswich crowd wasn't it and, yeah and what I liked about him is that he he just had that like arrogance to take that strike on because the sky commentators because I was I was watching that on my in my armchair and I remember the Sky commentators pelting him at first for shooting because they hadn't realised that it was as close as it was they hadn't realised that it clipped the post and they were having a go at him for shooting where he should have crossed but actually looked at it he made the right decision he executed it really well and that's kind of been a criticism of a few of the youngsters that we've had in the team is that they they haven't backed themselves if they've got the no. quality they haven't quite backed themselves were, were you were you surprised by how well he seemed to fit in straight away because obviously you you're an academy expert. You've seen him loads. Like, was it was that introduction a surprise to you or not? The the progress he made has sort of has been a real big surprise, really, because generally players sort of play for the under 18s either as a schoolboy as a first year, and then the sort of players that seem to break through go straight into the under 23s, and you never see them go. Jack played for the under 18s all last season, and to jump from the under 18s to the first team just doesn't really happen at that age. He he had a spell out on loan at Berry, which by all accounts was a making of him. I didn't get across to see him there, but he came back in pre-season and in this new system that Hurst was bringing in with the wide sort of wide forwards, which we hadn't really played under Mick. He just looked from from the very start of pre-season. He just looked the best. Almost him and Idris El Mazzouni were just looking the best players on the pitch almost in every game. And so the, so yes and no. It was a surprise how quickly he progressed, but. Once you'd seen him through pre-season and through the under-23s games at the start of the season, it wasn't a surprise how how we came into the team at that point. Yeah, and then so we we move we move to the Bristol City game. So this is game number four of the Paul Paul Lambert era, and we've got two points from three. But the signs are good, but we're maybe already thinking he's he's got too much to do, and and January was still just too far away, wasn't it? But we have Bristol City at home. And again, we we looked really good in the fir- in the first half. Obviously, we didn't against West Brom, but it was more like what we saw against Reading and Preston, against slightly weaker opposition. And one one thing that I noted from this game is that Freddie Sears was shooting from distance confidently, and it's like Lambert just seemed to he seemed to make a real impression on a few of our few of our players when he initially came in, didn't he? Yeah, and Sears was the one that really really improved really quickly under Lambert and he went from being a sort of ineffectual wide man or ineffectual striker to a wide forward that was just playing off he, it, whilst it wasn't a 4-4-2 big man little man the way he makes his runs and how clever he is he was running off Jordan Roberts as though when we get the ball up quickly to him he was almost playing as a second striker but from sort of one of the wide positions and mm. I think there was a few comments in the press from Lambert and others just sort of saying so I knew he was a good player but I didn't realise how good a player he was I didn't realise how clever he was and I, and I don't think you'd have probably got many Ipswich fans who would have agreed that he was that good at that point because he'd mm. for, for a long time under McCarthy he'd he just hadn't looked dangerous in front of goal. And mm. while people may say that Mick ruined him or I always thought Sears did a good job for us out wide, but maybe he was having to do too much work out wide to look decent in front of goal. 
like he did yeah. for the first goal, which was probably sort of been forgotten about. But that was a really good goal with a decent bit of football leading up to it and a good finish. Yeah, yeah, it was a quality goal, wasn't it? And it was Cole Skews was sort of, he was playing in a slightly more advanced position um, when Lambert first came in, wasn't he? And it was that beautiful crossfield ping and Sears just, I mean. Yeah, he scored that goal, but he'd also had a couple of other shots from distance that were well saved or went just wide. Yeah, yeah that was a that was a fantastic goal. But then, can we talk about Bristol City's equaliser for one-one? <laughs> this was for, for for as poor a season as Bart had, and especially sort of at this at this stage of the season. This is one where it is totally his fault, but it's it's just a total freak goal. There was the ball was pinging around, and he'd obviously lost his bearings but I'd, and he just stuck in a just stuck a hand out of the ball and managed to swat it into the net in front of the churchman's end and what like i say it, it was a dreadful goal and w- when you look on the sort of low lights reel for bart for this season this will probably be one that stands out as a terrible error but there were there were much bigger errors for me than this one this was just a this was a freak as opposed yeah. to poor, as opposed to poor goalkeeping it, it, <laughs> it was just a it, everything was just sort of going wrong wasn't it at that moment and I know in the in the first um first part of the season review Ben was talking about xg quite a lot um I'm not bringing that to the table here but I imagine the xg of that goal couldn't possibly be above 0.0 um but then Sears again pops up in the second half and scores another decent goal and at this point maybe like we're thinking maybe this is this would be a great Great win to get, and that would have been five points from four games, which I mean, we would have certainly have taken that at any stage of the season, wouldn't we? Yeah, and and I think this was this was the key. Almost, I know a lot of people at that at that point said that when we lost this game, this was when they knew we were down. I didn't quite think it that early. I I thought we probably would be, but I didn't think we were down at that point. And but you look at the run we've had. We've played Preston, and we've been the better team, and we've. Played against ten men for the end. The keepers made a good save. We come away with a point. Reading, we've gone there. We've flown at them. Only come away with a point. We've then sort of gone to played West Brom, who were at this point flying in the league and so close to getting that point. And we, it's like we're just waiting for something to give the season lift off, and nothing happens. And we we played so well against Bristol City here, one 0 up, and then we concede that dreadful goal, which we just spoke about, and the. the crowd is deflated the ground is deflated and then within two minutes we're back in front and it's like that atmosphere goes up and so like, i think there, there's definitely something happening here but i think like i say the two late goals and one sort of pennington loses his man and jedu heads it in yeah and from that from that point on we don't really recover for the rest of the season i think like i say the people that said they knew we were down then that they they were probably right in that stage because that was just four games where we've given it a really good go and we've come out we came out of it with two points, especially when you look at what follows. Yeah, because this is the first of um, the series of games that me and Joe are going to talk through that are just oh so predictable. Yeah, two nil defeats away from home, another Bart error early on leaves us chasing the game. Jonas Knudsen was all over the place for the second goal. I think Sears is closer to the outside right than Knudsen is, which just shouldn't happen when Sears is playing in that advanced position. And I think, yeah, Roberts had dropped to the bench, if I'm not mistaken, in this one. Yeah, I think Jackson started this one, didn't he? Yeah. He had a good chance. He had a header quite sort of after their first goal, which was early on and which is one of the goals where I would give Bart a lot of criticism for because it was just a soft shot, which he fumble straight out to the goal scorer and just killed the game within five minutes because at this stage we just were struggling to score goals away from home and like I say I think that like I say, that, that just killed it and knowing that we were up away at Stoke the game after and that, that went the same way another 2-0 yeah. defeat five yeah. changes Dean Gherkin back in the side again we played alright but we let, in a, we let in a goal improved letting another goal and Cole Skews got injured in this game who had in those early Lambert games was playing really well. Mm. Cole Skews gets injured. He was out for sort of two months, which I say in inverted commas, because from that injury, he rushed back from that injury. And yeah, and he wasn't look, the same player. He didn't player. look the same yeah. player at all. Yeah. He'd, started, he'd started well under Lambert. And that was a that was a big blow, that was losing Skews. And he basically was out for the season, it seems. But Yeah. So just quickly going back to that Forest game, something I've written down is that when... 
when Bart makes a mistake, the way I've seen it in the last few years, because McCarthy wasn't wasn't against dropping Bart, I always saw it as double jeopardy because one, we've got the mistake, and two, there's the day of the weaker goalkeeper, Dean Gherkin, coming in. But on this occasion, when he came back in, I was actually quite relieved. I felt it was becoming quite hard to watch Bart again. Yeah, and at this point, we'd appointed Jimmy Walker as a goalkeeping coach, which you hope would have helped. And I think it was a West Brom game where he was doing the press for it, and he came out and was saying the way he'd been dropped for the derby was totally disrespectful, and he seemed to have his bounce back in him. But then that error against Bristol City, which was an unfortunate error, just seemed to kill him again, and yeah. he just was poor again from that point and sort of rightly dropped. And I've been a big fan of his. And I, I didn't think he should have been dropped for the Norwich game, but no, there was there was no real choice at this point. Yeah, for this one, he 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 had to be taken out of the firing line. I thought uh, was this Lancaster's first start. Um, quite throwing probably, that one I at think you. It I, was, think, yeah. I think it possibly was. And no, and Forrest, he was like, are, we, are we still talking about Forest or Stoke? No, or sorry, we're at Stoke. We're at Stoke. <laughs> I, think, um, I think he started at Forest actually. Okay, I'm pretty sure he started at Forest because I had a someone told me that he was going to be starting, and I let someone know that knew him when he was a kid, and they sort of jumped to the car and flew up to Nottingham and just missed kickoff to see him make his debut. But. Yeah. Okay. Well, he, he was certainly lively in this Stoke game, looking back at the highlights, and he was perhaps unlucky not to score in this one. Um, Joe Allen scored a really classy goal. I mean, the fact... We're really disappointed that it was, oh, it's such another really predictable 2-0 defeat. And I know that Stoke weren't doing particularly well under Gary Rowett. But you look at the two players that scored. It was Tommy Thomas Ince, yeah, Joe Allen, like... I mean, come on, we don't, we we're not in that we're not in that league, really, are we? Mm. Even if we are. But then then we move on to so we'll <laughs> we'll brush aside those two two nil defeats. More to come from that result. But we go to the Wigan game at home, and I I just flag this one up as the first must win of the Paul Lambert era. And but I'm also going to call it Wind Rain and Reese James. Yeah. How good was he that day? Um, he was every every time I saw him last season, I thought he was the best player on the pitch, and this was no exception. This was the first time I'd seen him in the flesh, and he was just um Monster. like for, for for such a young such a young kid, just the maturity of the display and the his sort of delivery, his crosses, and he had a was it him that had a couple of free kicks right at the end, which yeah. Dean yeah. Gherkin did brilliantly to get down and save in, in yeah. the sort of terrible conditions. But that this was a McCarthy-type, 1-0, get a goal and just sit back and back and back and pray that the game ends before they score, and it, and it did. And that was a real big lift, that one, going into the Christmas period where we had some tough games coming up. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm going to bring it back to Reese James again. Because Ipswich uh, won this game, uh, the media department decided to upload the extended highlights onto YouTube, but there was barely any Ipswich chances in it. And if you watch back, which I think if you're interested in what we, we keep raving about Reese James, just watch that extended highlights. He is in, he is in every single highlight for positive reasons. And it, he whipped in a few incredible crosses, a couple of through balls. He was unlucky not to score. It hit the bar. But despite him being amazing, yeah, Freddie Sears popped up with, I mean, that must be one of the shittest goals you'll ever see, wasn't it? <laughs> it was it, it was a goal befitting the conditions and the quality of the two sides, wasn't it? Yeah. And it was actually really befitting of um, where I was when it went in, which is uh, the Weatherspoons opposite Brixton, sta- Brixton Station. Oh, very um, nice. Which is not, even by Weatherspoon standards, is um, not particularly nice. Um, but yeah, we got, we got the win, didn't we? And Fair play to Dean Gherkin because he, like, it was they were chucking everything at him, and he, by hook or by crook, he managed to keep the ball out of the goal. So then, at this stage, we're only five points off the drop. So I'm thinking we've only won once under Lambert, but we're looking better. And you felt, and and we all maybe assumed wrongly that it will get better after January. Yeah. Um, and at this stage, it, it did look like that there was four or five really poor sides that were going to be a long way adrift of the rest of the division. And we only needed to get ahead of, which as it ended, really, we only needed to get ahead of Bolton, Rotherham and Reading. And I know Reading picked up at the end of the season, but Bolton and Rotherham stayed right down there. And 
whilst so I know this is more for the end of season, whilst Lambert did a decent job, results were poor. Sort of yeah. everything off the pitch was good, but the results were poor. And we only needed to pick up something like six or eight more points in Reading over the course of thirty over thirty games, and we and we weren't able to. Yeah, I mean, it, I guess it was the two the two draws at the start of the rain that the that were the problem, weren't they? Yeah. They they were the ones that we perhaps should have won, and then that's then we don't have the monkey on the back, and then maybe we can go to places like Stoke and go to places like Forest and mm. play with a little bit more vigor. Um, but we we did build on that home win against Wigan when we played Sheffield United in the next game, didn't we? Yep, Ellis Harrison. I don't know whether this was his. First start for for some time since sort of the it early was. part of the season. Yeah. First start D- under Lambert. Dazelle was back in as well. And I, but I think this was probably the best sort of centre forward display we've had of the season. He he, well until sort of Keane and Keane came in later on, but he bullied the defenders. He got one headers. He brought people into play. He scored a really really well taken goal from a sort of tough position. And I was thinking if if we can keep sort of that. Harrison fit for a few games then we've we've got a chance here to make Lambert's system work because he was the sort of player that was needed in that system but yeah. again we couldn't keep him fit no but we what we were what Lambert was doing with Harrison which Hurst never did was he was playing to his strengths and yeah. we were playing quite we were playing that um quite count we were playing a counter-attacking football and then inevitably Sheffield United were getting the ball and trying to play out. And we just pressed really hard, didn't we? And I think Nolan yeah. had quite a good game in this one. Chalabar had a good game, I remember. And yeah, as you mentioned, Harrison was, I mean, he was awesome in that that first half. Yeah. Chambers had a goal ruled out. Billy Sharp had a goal ruled out. And um, I must admit, I was still in the Legends bar when Billy Sharp equalised. Um, and it, just... looking back, it was a decent goal, but Chambers was... Sharp could see Chambers' number for about four seconds, and that can't happen. One, Chambers should know that he should always be looking for where Billy Sharp is, and who's the right back standing a few yards away from him that can see all of it and saying nothing? Jordan. Jordan Spence again. Um, and I don't, I don't want him being a scapegoat, but he he didn't help. He didn't help. He his form. His, he wasn't a great player in the first place, but his form really let him down under Lambert, I thought. And it wasn't a surprise to see him completely bombed out in the end. Um, no, I, I just couldn't understand why we were sort of rotating every other position, but Spence was staying in the team despite not... I, I, I was never as sort of anti-Jordan Spence as a lot of the fan base became. I just thought he was a sort of limited but decent enough defender, but nothing special but he was he was clearly in poor form whether you, whether you thought he was a good player or a bad player you could tell he was in form not in form you could tell he was struggling his head was on a swivel all game he, he didn't he didn't know where he was going he wasn't affecting the game at the right at either end of the pitch and like I say sort of there's a lot of mysteries about this season but one of them will be for me will always be the Genoa Dinashian situation well, I mean yeah I mean you could you could write a book on that one it's just it's just bizarre isn't it he yeah. just—he was quite clearly a better right back, but it, it was—I don't know whether it was political reasons or what, but he just wasn't playing, was he? No. Um, there, one thing that I took out of this game, and I don't often do this, the ref was terrible, really, really bad, and because Norwood kicked oh, Chalabar yeah, Chalabar off the ball, didn't yeah. he? And it was yeah. right in front of the ref, and the ref just booked him. I—I can't remember as poor a season of officiating as I've seen this year. I don't know whether it's because the championship, the quality has improved and the refs just haven't, aren't able to keep up with the Premier League standards as the fitness and ability of the players improve in this league. But every single week, the refs were poor. They were, in, And I, I don't just mean they were anti-Ipswich and we didn't get decisions. I just felt that they, they were just baffling decisions from both sides. That they were just getting into... They were just getting into runs of making, giving us every decision for 10 minutes and the other team every decision for 10 minutes. And just, I don't know, right up until the sort of last game of the season, I thought the refs were poor. Yeah, and she- Sheffield United didn't didn't really deal in draws last season, did they? But in, in the end, I think they just, they took they took the point, didn't they? Which, which was a bit, which was a boost for us, really. Um, and then we moved, I mean, it's, we're playing every couple of, couple of days at this stage. 
it's QPR away on Boxing Day, and this is another way of thinking. Not a must win, but if we a, a if potential we, game where you can pick something up, wasn't it? Yeah, the the hashtag winnable to to use the the preview show phrase. And you know what? We actually I was at that game and we weren't too bad to no. begin with. Um, we seemed to carry the confidence out of the. Um, the Sheffield United game with us. John Nolan was actually having a really good game. I, I and then was he, tries... say, he was a, he was the best player on the pitch until that yeah. point. And then, yeah, tell us what point that is, Joe, then. Um, he, he decides to play a crossfield pass to no one in particular. And he just, it's a perfect pass just for, is it Naki Wells who just, or is it the Polish striker? I can't remember who just picks up the ball and just drives forward, but has a shot, which the keeper saves and, the rebound is just put away, but it was just we were sort of dominating the ball, dominating the game almost, and he just we just played it to them and gave them a sort of two on one, which we didn't recover from. And from that point on, it was ended three nil. It was probably our worst defeat of the season at that and Norwich away, and mm. we just were dreadful. And just to sort of add a bit of insult to injury, Grant Ward came back into the team that day, slightly innocuous, innocuous looking challenge, which he ends up sort of hobbling off to and. He's done his ACL and is out for the season. Yeah, and I mean... That might be the end of his stint in it, as an Ipswich player. Oh, quite possibly, yeah. I mean, it, it remains to be seen what, what the deal is with Grant Ward. And I think... How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN, giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. It seems like he's going to be sticking around to get himself fit and then he'll be looking for another club, maybe Colchester or someone like that. Um, but to be honest, I wasn't... I fe- obviously felt bad for Grant Ward and I wasn't overly I wasn't overly concerned about it, about it on one hand because I, I just simply don't rate him as a, as a footballer. I don't, like, he, d- he just doesn't bring enough to the, to the table and often enough for me. But then... The, the injuries were starting to stack up, weren't they? And and it's just another player. And he he does offer, I guess he does offer something different. He's that pacey wide player that we don't really have. Um, and yeah, he's he's gone. And then yeah, and then we've got to go up to Middlesbrough, haven't we? And this was our standard away game. Start okay, letting a poor goal, which was Jordan Spence on a foul. I I didn't think this was a foul personally. It was just. Sort of went out for a header. No one appealed for it. I can't believe the ref gave it. And then 
come into the gameplay a bit better and then letting a late goal and 2-0 and without without really threatening really isn't it and that's sort of a run of six games which has four away games in which we've scored none conceded nine and sort of brilliant yeah i mean what else do you say one thing though we never seem to save penalties do we we don't we don't get many penalties we never no. save any I, I can't remember much of anything penalty wise that we saved but mm. yeah <laughs> it's just just something that i had written down but we'll move to move to the next game which was one this was the the Millwall game at home and and maybe this was the one where a lot of even more people it was a little bit like the Bristol City game in that a lot of people lost hope after this one didn't they I think I think this was it for me this game here and sort of there was a bit of interesting news that broke sort of a couple of days before this game which was which which ended up directly affecting this game which was at Jonas Knudsen at that point after saying after about four or five weeks before this it was that he's his agent's going to be in touch with Lambert. Lambert's sort of recommended to Evans that a new deal be signed. And then all of a sudden, there's news that Callum Elder is training with us and that Jonas Knudsen might go. Miles Kenlock comes into the team. And Jack Lancaster scores a really good early goal. And yeah. we, we're looking good. Iron, Iron Robin-esque, wasn't it, that goal? Yeah. And it's another one of those performances where first half is good. We are one nil up and realistically we, we could have been more up. We were playing well there. And then in about 10 minutes spell in the second half, we go from one nil up to three one down. And it's just yeah. a calamity of error. Steve Morrison comes on on the right wing. Miles Kenlock is playing left back and he, their tactic is just to knock the ball out him on the right wing. And he just bullies Miles Kenlock while we've got a Danish international left back who is, sort of almost better at centre-back sitting on the bench and sort of Lambert. Personally, for me, I think he should have changed that. I know Knudsen was off, but at that point, we were, we were still in it and this was a six-pointer and Steve Morrison just dominated us on that side. There was an awful goal conceded where Pennington sold Dean Gherkin short. Again, that was one where the ref could have given that as a free kick because the striker did go in over the ball to Gherkin. But there was we, the other we one. We weren't getting was, a lot of luck at that point, were we? No, that was the that was the game where um, Jordan Spence shielded the ball out for a corner, thinking it was a goal kick. Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't know. If, is that the one where he's selling selling the keeper short? I'm not sure. I don't. No, no, that no. We there was Spence saw the ball out for a corner, yeah. and but no one must have been talking to him because I was at the back of the south stand and I was shouting, "It's going to be a corner." And there must have been someone telling him because it, it wasn't like the ball just went off. Somebody should have. There was plenty of time to get the message to keep yeah. it in, and then they inevitably scored from the corner. And then <laughs> he shielded bit... it out, didn't he? He didn't just let it run out. He actually shielded it out. No, no, no he just he got let his it run body. Out, he got his yeah. body in front of it a little bit. And oh, then it's embarrassing. And then it was the one where like I say it was Matthew Pennington tried to play the ball back to Gherkin and just wow. sold him short. Yeah. And it was just an absolute calamity. And it was just, we've gone from 1-0 up in a must-win game to 3-1 down. And Caden Jackson did actually score a really good goal later yeah. in, in that game. But it's yeah, one of those it, ones that's forgotten about. Yeah, in a different context, that, that goal we'd talk about for for years. When we, it was a brilliant little touch and an absolute thunder bastard of a strike. Um, but yeah, it's feeling pretty flat. And we're as Ipswich fans, we're starting to think, can it can it get much worse than this? What's January got in store for us? Like, surely, surely things are going to get slightly better. We start bringing in a few new players, yeah. And then we, Will, Will Keane and Callum Elder are in, aren't they? They're in, and we go up to Accrington Stanley, Who and you there? go with them, don't you, Jay? Yeah, no, I went up to Accrington, and whilst. A lot of people think we're not going to do very well in League One because of games like this. This, I think they have to remember, we did make seven changes for this game and 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 we were crap. <laughs> so we, we were we so did, bad. Yeah. We didn't we didn't deserve anything. Will Keane came on as a sub for his debut, having just signed, and he looked relatively sharp. And we had a couple of things come from him, but Lambert sort of came out after the game and said, because personally, I think the Millwall game was the end of it and I think he knew that he came out after the game and said the club needs to be rebuilt and some players will go at that point we didn't see Jordan Spence again after that game we didn't see we didn't see Guion Edwards for a long time after that game he was probably yeah. the poorest player on the pitch so yeah, I don't know whether was, he was yeah he thought he was in Kes, Kesgrave I think because he was just running around cul-de-sacs wasn't he um yeah. that was a 
that was a really, really bad performance from that right side. Teddy Bishop came on though and looked. I thought he looked quite sharp as well. That was yep. one yeah. one positive. Um, not it wasn't a positive, was it? But that was a, a huge, a neutral. Yeah, and we, we, the beer was cheap, wasn't it? The 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 fans were friendly. Yeah, no, it was it was a, it was a nice place to go, but it it felt like a cup tie where that's going to be a league tie next year, and there's not going to be the fans and Ipswich fans who are there because it's a new ground and something to do. It's that's going to be the reality, and if that's a a game in a part of the season where we're not doing particularly well, there's, there's going to be 400 fans on that cold terrace there, mm. and it's not going to be anywhere near as fun as that one nil defeat was. Yeah. Hashtag keep away days southern. Yep. 100% so, agree with that. Yeah, sorry, Mullet. Uh, he's he's just switched off. So, uh, yeah, we can say what we like now. Um, we bring in James Collins, don't we, ahead of Rotherham at home, which is... Yep. Well, we bring in... Well, we, we're very close to signing Anthony Pilkington at this point as well. Oh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that falls through right at the last minute, and we end up bringing in Simon Dawkins, who sort of is a very different player. He's a He was a player on a short-term contract, which we were very unlikely to get anything from, and we didn't get anything from, where Pilkington yeah. was a decent player. Colin Quainer came in. Quainer came in, yeah. James Collins came in, and we went. We played Rotherham. Four, all four of the new boys started, well, apart from Dawkins, but Collins, Quainer, Keane and Elder all started. Yeah, and Keane, Keane was boosted by having a pep talk from one David Diamond at Milsom's the morning of that game. Yeah. So, what the inevitable happened didn't it early in the first half Dave told Dave told him to make some good shapes one of those good shapes resulted in a goal yeah it did didn't it and the, this game just turned into complete aerial bombardment but we had James Collins didn't we the that massive ginger head heading everything away and suddenly we look like we've actually got a bit of backbone albeit yeah. we're, we're still we're getting outplayed a bit by Rotherham aren't we <laughs> Yeah, that that second half we were we barely we could barely get out of our half. James Collins, the ginger magnet, his head was in that game. I think it was something like eighteen headed clearances, or it was it must have been the highest. It was it, there was a big thing made about the stats. I can't imagine anyone headed more times in any in any other game that season. But it was a sort of a rock performance at the back, and he really seemed to bring up the level of everyone around him. When the game ended, he just collapsed in a heap on the floor, and yeah, unfortunately, that was sort of how it went. We we could never get him fit, could we? No, but yeah, he was like a real cult hero after that. I remember doing the flagship and just I was absolutely buzzing by his arrival and I couldn't wait to see him play. And I, in the end, I don't think I, I don't think I ever did see him play in the flesh. Um, <sighs> he's the one that got away. But we could have had him in at the start of the season, couldn't we? I know he ended yeah. up injured at, at Villa, but mm. it might have been a good character to have when Hurst took over. I think it definitely would have been. And then, I mean, guess what's coming up now? If you're going to guess the scoreline. A 2-0 away defeat would be my yeah. guess. And then another 2-0 away defeat after that. But yeah, Alan Judge. Alan Judge came in, didn't he, before Blackburn away? Yeah. And that was a, that was a player that was a real coup. And like I say, for all the criticism Marcus Evans gets as an owner, he really did back Lambert in this January window it, when we were so far adrift to bring in Alan Judge, to bring in Will Keane, Colin Quainer, yep. w- James Collins. The, the, none of these guys are, were, were going to come cheap. And when you see the rent some of these guys play, pay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some of them live in Woodbridge. Uh, yeah, you're, not, you're not wrong. So one of them who, who wasn't renting in Woodbridge, he was staying in Milsom's. Um, Will Keane got through one and one early on in this game at Blackburn, took it round the goalkeeper, probably should have gone down. The goalkeeper did yep. touch him. He probably should have gone down. But what's striking about this is he's got the ball round the goalkeeper. He's out wide and he looks up and there's not a nip switch shirt near him. No, not even close. And Caden Jackson was playing. He's quick and he's obviously put the afterburners on to join him in the box, but it's probably ran in too fast. So he's pretty much run into the defenders and there was nobody else there. And then Callum Elder was playing at left back, wasn't he? And, and he had a he had a shocker, didn't he? He had both, one. both goals were from sort of errors down his side. He fouled was it Adam Armstrong for the first goal and mm. gave away a penalty in the second goal. He just got totally caught out of position. And again, this is when sort of love or loathe Jonas Knudsen, and I'm sure there's not many people that love him anymore. He 
he was a better left back than these. And while he was trying to sort of move out, ultimately he didn't get a move. And we ended up without, like I say, what was the difference between playing Jonas Knudsen for the last five months of the season, as opposed to playing James Collins or playing Will Keane or playing Colin Kwana? None of them are going to be here. Or, yeah. I mean, maybe it's, it's, it's unlikely. Maybe it's Lambert setting a president. Like he's, he's the boss kind of thing. Yeah. But I don't know. It, it just seemed, it seemed the wrong tack to take. You either, he was either going and went or, he might as well have been used as a effectively a short-term deal, which a lot of the other players were on. We we sort of shifted a few out that sort of that week as well. Danny Rowe and Janoy Danasian went out on loan, and mm. two players who we quite like. Yeah, and probably when it came to the end of the season, when you saw the sort of teams we were having to put out, and we never we never solved the right back problem. James Bree played well when he was there, but again, he's on north for 20 grand a week at Villa all sort of the rumours are and there's no way he's going to be dropping down into League One and we've now got Josh Emmanuel there who was recalled from Shrewsbury because he wasn't playing he played a few games at the back end of the season did okay in some did dreadfully in others and got the, got the hook at half time in one of them we, we sort of no further forward in that position and we could have used that time to have a look at Janoy Donashian and we ran out of wide players Grant Ward was injured at this point and Letting Danny Rowe go, I don't know. Is, has he got a future at Ipswich or will he be at Lincoln next year? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's an enigma, isn't he, Danny Rowe? Like, we... I mean, what, do you say, what do you say? Because it, we haven't really seen him that much in the championship, so we can't, we can't really give a fair assessment. But he looks much better than the under-23s. When, whenever, whenever I have seen him at any... Almost any game he's played, he's always made something happen. Like I don't watch him as closely as some might, and he might not do enough defensively, or but he always makes something happen. Even when we're talking earlier, the Preston game, he came on a sub. He's the one that has that volley at goal, which is yeah. well saved. When he when he played against Forest the sort of season before last, he's he has two really good chances. He something something always seems to happen in the attacking sense when he plays, and his record at Lincoln and previously at Macclesfield sort of seems to show that whenever I watch him on Sky for Lincoln he always he's always got that bit of quality and composure that that can do something and I think we missed that yeah yeah I that that one didn't really sit well with me because especially with Grant Ward being injured as well because it's it's not like we had loads of loads of wide players um so yeah that was a 2-0 away defeat next up is a 2-0 away defeat at Aston Villa 2-1 2-1 that one. 2 one, sorry, sorry. 2-1. Yeah. yeah. We, we scored did, an we away went goal. Down. We did score an away goal and it was bloody good, but it was the key. It didn't count double. Yeah, he was sort of a little bit overshadowed that day, Freddie Sears, by a, a bigger star on the pitch. That's not Tammy Abraham, it's Keith Stroud, isn't it? Oh, God. What, what a performance. Lambert was furious after the game, and rightly so. The Villa penalty, which. Um, I assume it was Abraham that scored the penalty, was Alan Judge supposedly fouling John McGinn when a ball was sailing over the head and they were just turning. And later on in the game, Colin Quainer, after a sort of brilliant through ball, gets onto it and has a shot, which is quite clearly blocked by the arm of, again, I'm guessing Tommy Elphick or someone like that, that <laughs> put, a, put, a, put a block in and it was an obvious, obvious penalty. And those two, those two decisions cost us the game. Trevor Chalaber hit the post late on and Freddie Sears scored a stunner, but you, mm. you can't go away to quality sides like Aston Villa and expect to win games when the, when you're getting, when you're on the receiving end of such poor decisions, it, it just doesn't happen. Yeah. But, and, and Kwana looked good in this game, didn't he? He was playing what, on the right wide, side, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. wide right of the front three. And at least, yeah, we did go two nil behind and we, and we were all wrong because we were all saying classic hip switch, 2-0 away defeat. I mean, I even said it here, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> but like, at least they... I mean, the goal was ridiculous, wasn't it? But we did start creating some chances. And at a place like Villa, it, was, it wasn't a bad performance, that one. Um, I must have got the order wrong here. So who was next up after Aston Villa? Um, there's one. I, I, it was Sheffield Wednesday. So we get one nil. 
we're this to is the end, end yeah, yeah. The middle period but there was a couple of around the um, Blackburn game sort of before the Blackburn game there was a big announcement that Paul Lambert and his staff will stay into next into next season that is a uh, the club and uh, that was a big announcement made by the club that Lambert is going to be here for next season. I think at this point we, we knew we were going to be going down and it was a case we are now building for the future. There's no need to talk about the manager and his job security. Admittedly that that did come up after one strange radio Suffolk interview towards the end of the season, but that was, that was clarified. Marcus Evans also came out and said the club was not for sale as well, but, yeah. but just before, just before, just before the Villa game again was a, sums up our season in the, the last few years Jack Lancaster has a back injury he's going to be out for a few weeks well where are we now 19th of May and he, he hasn't he, did, he didn't play another game that no. season his back injury turned into a stress fracture of the back I think there were a few comments from his father on Twitter that seemed to suggest he was aiming for a return at the end of the season so probably was wise not to push him back into that but another player that we missed for a big chunk of the season and after the impact he made was a real loss and hopefully he's fit for pre-season but yeah the strange the strange thing is at this stage we haven't we've only won two games under Lambert out of out of 15 so we let's say we we haven't got to Sheffield Wednesday yet so we've won two out of 15 that's not very good but it was pretty much unanimous. We were all happy when the news came out about Lambert staying, weren't we? Although, yeah, sorry, that was probably after, what was it, 13 or 14, 13. 14 games. 13 games. So two wins in 13 games. We were we were all pretty much happy about that, weren't we? Yeah, and we all, we all knew we were going down at this point. I, I think there was an, an acceptance amongst the fan base that it was going to take an absolute miracle for us to stay up and everyone was looking looking to League One, not the Championship. And yeah, there was... Lambert had engendered a positive spirit around the place. The, he was reconnecting the club back with the fans. And whilst some people sort of laugh at the importance of that, but you, you just had to look at the reception the players got at the end of the season. And yeah. we go into... We go into a League One campaign in... I wouldn't say rude health, but we go, we go into a campaign in as good as health as... Any, any team you expect to get relegated go down. Like If you look who we're going down with, we're going down with Bolton. We'll look at the state they're in. Rotherham are coming down with us and they'll probably are in as good a state as we are in that they are a very stable club with a stable management team, a stable squad that, that know how to win games at that level. But we're going down relatively positive, well, positively amongst the fan base and sort of without the need for a huge overhaul. Yeah, absolutely, and and Rotherham. Let's not forget they might actually lose a few players because they've they've got a few players that have actually proven themselves as good championship battlers, and if the money comes in, Rotherham will have to accept it, um, and on, they should find it harder to recruit decent players. They should find it harder than us. Whether they will or not remains to be seen. But yeah, let's, should we finish off? We need to finish off this 16 games. So it, it was Steve Bruce's first game in charge of Sheffield Wednesday, wasn't it? Yes, it was. He'd been watching the cricket in the Caribbean for, oh, yeah. for January, and yeah, because he, I think he made a promise to his to his sort of late parents. He'd had a very tough year, and he with the death of both of them, and he he went across there and stuck with it, and came back and inflicted on us a one nil defeat with a 90 odd minute winner and yeah that was there we just signed James Bree before that and there'd been a lot of drama with Matthew Pennington on deadline day potentially signing on a permanent for Derby which we yeah. blocked yeah uh, we did and then he ended up getting injured anyway didn't he but yeah yeah <laughs> so how do we how do we reflect on these 16 games then because it quite a lot happened quite a lot of very predictable Ipswich things happened but it was it was a really strange period, wasn't it, of the season? Yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd say the first three games in an hour to Bristol City when we're two one ahead before the late collapse. There was it was really positive. We really looked like we were sort of making progress, and 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 it was all that everyone wanted to see at that point that we were making that progress. But then, then the, that 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 losing that Bristol City game, and then those two away defeats at Forest and Stoke, they were the killers, really. I know we had that that win against sort of Wigan straight after that. But it was, it was a case that while we won two games and we beat the two, two of the worst teams in the league at home, one nil in games that they dominated really. And 
it was all, it was all about healing the rift between the club and the fans and the players and the management teams and off the pitch and like I say this this probably cement that that away form around over that over the sort of Christmas period that just cemented our relegation really didn't it it did yeah um we saw it coming it happened um come back soon for the last 16 games I guess that's uh <laughs> you I mean if you've got through to this stage you you're definitely ready for part three wouldn't you say so Jay are you, are you... yeah I'm, I'm sort of trying to think of a sort of like trilogy isn't it of what what trilogy of movies would sort out these sort of three sets of 16 games but unfortunately there is no sort of there no. is no return of the Jedi at the end of it or no anything it's I mean just... there there's no, I mean, our season is like a really, really bad trilogy with like a, a happy ending that doesn't make it all okay. No. Though it's no. kind of, but yeah, somebody out there's Maybe, out there maybe Lord of, maybe Lord of the Rings, all those three films look awful. <laughs> <laughs> Game of Thrones is terrible as well, isn't it? I've only watched the first series. That was enough yeah. for me. Crap. <laughs> should we should we try and anger <laughs> anger some more people lose a few more lose a few yes. more viewers for the for the third part so joe do you have anything anything else to say did should we should we try and pick out a positive moment of the the middle third um i'd, I'd say the two positive moments for me one was freddie sears when he went straight up the other end and scored to put us 2-1 up against bristol city and it looked like we were working and then the other one was jack lancaster scoring the early goal against millwall in a, what was probably too late but was a must-win game at that point and we we went one nil up and we scored probably um this player that was the biggest highlight of the season with the best moment for him of the season yeah and i'm gonna throw in getting alan judge in the building at ipswich that that may turn out to be a a moment that we look back on as a as a positive in a bad season. What was the the worst moment for you? Um, that late. Well, no, it, it was the Millwall collapse. The the ten minute Millwall collapse. As as bad as as bad as we'd been, and the Bristol City game was so disappointing, and the away form was so poor. We weren't really getting left behind by our rivals because our rivals were all losing every week. That Millwall game, when we were playing one of our direct rivals, we're one 0 up. We're looking comfortable, and we should be more. And then we contrived to give away three of the poorest goals of the season. Well, two very, very poor goals and a third goal in the space of about ten, fifteen minutes, and that just killed the season and that that relegated us. Okay, and the the next one I'm going to throw at you is best goal because we did we did, weirdly we scored some decent goals in this part of the season, didn't we? So I'm going to throw in Ellis Harrison against Sheffield United at home, uh, Freddie Sears his first goal against Bristol City, uh, Caden Jackson's thunderbastard against Millwall. I suppose we can chuck in Jack Lancaster's goal against Millwall as well. That was pretty good. If I if I yeah. missed any, Freddie, Freddie Sears's Freddie Sears, Sears, Sears goal at Villa. And let's not forget the best of all time, that goal at home to Wigan. <laughs> um, I'd, I'd probably say I've, again, with a, a sort of the same way I've answered the last two questions, those two, that Freddie Sears first one against Bristol City and Jack Lacaster's first one against Millwall, because they just felt such big goals and they felt like we were turning it round somehow, but it just wasn't to be. Yeah, but they're two players that, well, hopefully will have playing either side of a decent striker next season yeah will will keen were being linked to at the moment yep <laughs> well where do you stand on will keen um i i really really rate him as a player i thought he put in some really good performances when he played for us at the back end of last season his in, his injury record worries me but personally i think I'd, I'd try and sign both him and james norwood i think we need to we need quality and if you can get him in a building i I tend to think the injuries are unlucky rather than players becoming too injury prone and I'd, I'd, I'd get him in if we could, if the, where if the you, deal works. Where do you stand on enormous goalkeepers? I love enormous goalkeepers. They are they are my favourite types of goalkeepers. I think like it's Craig, growing up... Craig Forrest, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's growing up watching Craig Forrest and just that keeper with sort of like a massive wingspan, long arms and long legs and look a bit gangly. And I think the... Other than Craig Forrest, I can only really remember Asmir Begovic as a similar keeper to that, where you just see them and they just look enormous. And I, 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 I don't know. I, 
was probably too young watching Forrest to really know if he was any good or not. But I, I, I assume he was. I always, I always liked him. And yeah, I'd, I think six foot nine may be pushing it though. It's a, is that too tall? For, I don't know. Yeah, I mean that's mega tall even for a, an NBA player, really. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they're the quite a six foot nine in the NBA. You're, 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 you're the big man usually. Um, I don't know what his footwork will be like, and I worry about how silly Harry Wright will look standing next to him. Oh, at five foot nine. Yeah, bless him. But yeah, so please tune in to part three of this wonderful trilogy. Even worse than Lord of the Rings is uh, how Joe <laughs> would describe it. Um, so yeah, thanks for tuning in and be careful what you wish for. It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, but in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.